Hey, my name is Blake Davis and I'm the pastor here. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the Firm Foundation Church podcast. Our desire every single week is that you are challenged and encouraged in your faith. Enjoy the message. Yeah, so just a little bit of review. We're kind of, we're in this baggage series. Um, Week one, um, Pastor Blake gave us the introduction to the series. Um, He set us up. It's like live free, travel light. Let's get this baggage out of our lives, right? Um, And week two, Mike Urich gave us the message, a really good message about, he taught us about how control can be baggage in our lives. Um, Week three, so last week, um, Blake preached on the baggage of unforgiveness. Um, And then uh, Preston, do you want to pull up that little picture that I sent you? I found while I was reading or while I was writing my sermon, I actually found I took a break and I was scrolling through Facebook and a Facebook friend of mine actually put this on here. And it really reminded me of this whole sermon series of like, we are holding on to so much stuff that is drowning us. And I thought it was kind of cute. Little precious moments, Jesus there, you know, saying let go. Um, but yeah, um, so this week in week four, I'm going to be discussing the baggage of shame. Um, let us pray first. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, to be to be in your presence, Lord. Thank you for the worship experience we had this, this morning, Lord. It was so powerful. Lord, I just ask that you uh, you continue to be with us as we dive into this topic, Lord. Just give us, uh, open our hearts to the word, Lord. Open our ears so that we can hear it. Open our hearts so that uh, so that we can uh, we can put it forth in our lives, Lord. And we ask for all, all of this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so a couple quick things. Raise your hand. If you've ever done something that you're ashamed of, okay? There's some honest people in here, okay? That's good. All right, now turn to the person next to you and tell them what you're ashamed of. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't. Don't do that. I don't, I don't want to get anything started. <laughs> um, one of the most dangerous pieces of extra baggage that we can carry with us in our lives is shame. Um, so like, what's interesting to me is when I was um, working on this message is it goes all the way back to the beginning and the story of, of us humans. Um, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, uh, in the book of Genesis, you see a powerful, powerful example of life before shame and then the tragedy of life after shame. Um, you've got Adam and Eve who are in the garden, and right at the end of chapter 2, it's verse 25, um, it tells us about Adam and his wife, and it says, uh, so it's 20, uh, Genesis 2, 25, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Now this is incredible to me, not the naked part. Well, maybe the naked part, I mean, but more specifically, more specifically, the no shame part. Um, 
Because here you have a couple with every, everything kind of out in the open. Everything's just hanging out, right? And there's no sense of embarrassment. There's nothing to hide from. There's nothing weighing them down. They're just naked in the garden, enjoying the blessings and the beauty of God's creation, and they felt no shame. Then, if you know the story, the serpent came and tempted them to disobey God, and then sin entered the world. In Genesis 3-7, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they covered themselves with fig leaves. And they went into hiding. They were hiding themselves not because they just didn't have a feeling of what they did wrong, but they had an identity that now they were bad, um, that they were wrong. And that's why guilt is really different from shame. Um, guilt is generally an action-based thing, but shame is identity-based. Um, so I'm going to show you the difference. Guilt, on one hand, believes that I did something bad. I did something wrong. But shame internalizes it and tells us that I am bad. I am wrong. I'm dirty. We feel guilty for what we did, but we also feel ashamed of who we are. In fact, there's a lady that many would call a shame expert who, who has written on it and studied it, and her name is Brene Brown. And she has a really powerful quote, and it says this, Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do that makes us unworthy of connection. How could God ever love me? Kind of feeling. We have no idea. I have no idea what it might be for you. Um, that's something that causes you to feel shame. It might be a secret. It might be your finances um, that you don't want anybody to know about. It might be your sexual past. It might be your sexual problems in the present. Um, it might be that addiction that you don't want anybody to know about. Or that thing that you did years and years ago that you hope nobody finds out about. And because of what you did, the enemy tries to connect that action to who you are and how you see yourself. And you start to believe that I am defective, that I'm damaged, I'm broken, I'm flawed. Because of what I did, I'm dirty and I'm impure and I'm worthless. And the devil continues to whisper to you for years and years and years because of what you did. You're unlovable, you're weak, you're pitiful, you're insignificant, you're unworthy, and you're unwanted. And without knowing it, we can take that something that we did and even something that happened to us and wrongly connect it to our identity and start living a life of shame-based thinking. Shame-based thinking 
and how to recognize it. How does this influence us in our lives? Let's look at some ways that we can recognize if shame is holding us down. Do we have a fear of exposure or intimacy in relationships? Are you afraid of people finding out who you really are? Um, This is the fig leaves with Adam and Eve. Never feeling like you do well enough. Um, Being driven by performance and perfection in your life. Unable to handle criticism. Now, this is different than just being bothered by criticism. I'm talking about when it disables you, when you can't do anything because of it. Um, Compliance in pleasing people. When you need to please everyone in your life. Being overly critical of ourselves and others. Extremes of bitterness and rage. Um, I know this from personal experience that I worked with with a counselor on shame-based anger. I had a lot of anger in my life because of shame that I was holding on to. Um, Being primarily motivated by fear of failure. I'm not talking about some fear. I'm talking about when it's the main motivation in everything you do. Self-hate and self-deprecation. When you feel bad about yourself and you constantly put yourself down, this is one of the things I struggle with, or I have struggled with in the past. Um, I pick on myself with humor, you know, the self-deprecating humor. Um, And it always ticks off my wife when I do it. Always. Um, No wife wants to hear someone cutting their husband down, even if it's the husband that's doing it. Um, Measuring... Your value and the value of others by how well you or they perform. We all want to do our very best and we want to perform well. But our self-esteem and self-worth should be measured in completely different terms. Almost all of these things, I believe every person, I believe every person has shame in their lives to some extent that we have to deal with. Um, It's a human condition. It was the original thing that came into the human race because of the first sin. It came from the serpent in the garden and it started with him. Shame and condemnation will never come from God. God does not stoop to that level. God does not stoop, period. He's not a stooper, okay? Uh, He doesn't stoop to the level of shame, but that's exactly the place that the enemy wants to work. It's shame-based thinking, and it's not from God. I am not enough, and I will never be enough. And there's some truth to that. I will never be enough, and here's what's interesting. Anytime you think something bad about yourself, there actually might be a little truth in it. Like, I hate to tell you that, but... You might think I'm bad, and I say, well, actually, you're bad. Um, And we're both right. (laughs) Um, I might have said, you might have said, I've sinned, and yeah, you've sinned, and we've all sinned. 
We're not designed to do this on our own. We're never going to be good enough by ourselves. If you find something in your life that you don't like, there may be some truth in that. But the problem is, as long as you're focused on you, you will always be vulnerable to shame. There's a powerful story in the Old Testament about God's people who tragically were in slavery for 430 years in Egypt. If you can imagine this, 430 years they were in slavery. So you have generation after generation of people that were born a slave, and all they know is that I'm a slave. I feel worthless. I feel invaluable. My life is nothing. 430 years, day after day, week after week, year after year, month after month too, but not after, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, They believe the lie. You're not valuable whatsoever. And then God raises up Moses, played by Charleston, Charlton Heston, and he says, let my people go. And God miraculously delivered his people from slavery. But the real tragedy was, is now that they were outwardly free, inwardly they were still slaves. They were out of slavery, but slavery wasn't out of them. Um, Some of us here are followers of Christ. Um, We've been forgiven. We've been freed. But just because our sin is forgiven, some of us are still slaves to the shame of something that's not true about us. So I want to go over five key points to overcome shame. Sorry, I got the sniffles. Um, Point one is be naked without shame. Keep your clothes on, Chris. (laughs) We We can be who we really are. When Jesus came to this world, he didn't have a problem with sinners. We're all sinners here, and we need to admit that. But when he came to the world, he didn't have a problem with sinners. He had problems with dishonest religious people. Um, He never had a problem with a sinner that was honest about it. Um, He had issues with people who tried to hide who they really were behind false doctrine and false teaching. Um, Like, in our lives right now, we should be like right here, right? But because of all our struggles, we're right here. But the cool thing is, right in that center, Jesus makes up the difference. He, uh, we have to stop hiding from him or trying to hide from him. We need to quit hiding behind our fig leaves. Um, God can see through the fig leaves. I mean, God is God. I mean, he knows. Adam and Eve hid because they were fearful of God. But we do not have to hide from God in fear because he loves us just the way we are. Um, Point number two, we need to take responsibility for our behavior and don't blame others. Adam and Eve hid themselves with fig leaves. God walked up to them and said, Adam, what is this you've done? First point I want to make is notice, gentlemen, that God went to Adam first. Okay? It's up to you to own this situation. 
It starts with us, guys. And what did Adam say? Eve made me do it. He said, uh, it's not my fault. It's that woman you gave me. Right? He tried, he tried, to, tried to push the blame. And then so God goes to Eve and says, Eve, what is this that you've done? And Eve said, devil made me do it. God did not accept Eve as Adam's scapegoat, nor did he accept the devil as Eve's scapegoat. They all had to bear the consequences for their actions. We need to take responsibility for our our actions. We want to blame others for what we're struggling with. Uh, It's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault. Maybe it's my parents' fault. Maybe it's the government's fault. I hear that a lot. They're all excuses. Regardless of what life does to us, we can rise above our circumstances. We can do better than what others have done to us. Sin is my problem. And God will help me take responsibility for what I'm doing right now. The only scapegoat that God recognizes is Jesus Christ. He is the only one, and he will not bear our sins until we take responsibility and get honest with our behavior, confess our sins, and own it. This leads me to point three. Believe you are forgiven And the sin and shame have been removed by Jesus. How do we know that we've been forgiven of our sins? By putting our faith in the Bible. 1 John um, 1.9 But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Um, The version of the word confess in this verse is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, homologeo, I believe. And it means same word. Homo means same. Legeo means word. So if we agree with God about what we're confessing, If we say what God says about our behavior, same word, he will take away our sins. The debt has been paid. God is not going to continue to bring this debt up in the conversations that you have with God. Debt collectors don't bring up a debt that has already been paid in full. The shame is completely gone. The devil, on the other hand, will try to never let you forget about whatever sin or shame you're dealing with. But God will never do that. Um, This leads me to point four. Refuse a spirit of shame and condemnation when Satan attacks and fight him with the blood of Jesus and the word of God. He is going to come after you anytime you do something wrong. He's going to attack you with condemnation and shame to try to keep you away from God. He's going to try to devalue you so you 
You don't think you're worthy of having that relationship with God or having relationship with other people. Romans 8.1 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Do you belong to Jesus Christ? Then there should be no condemnation. You fight the devil with the word. In Revelation 12, 11, or 10 and 11, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. The they part in this is us in heaven someday. We overcame him, our accuser, by the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of God. When Satan tries to talk to you about your sin and shame, raise up your voice in faith, quoting the word of God, and thanking Jesus for his blood. And remind Satan of the power that is in that blood. Point five I want to make is forgive every person who has hurt you or helped produce shame in your life. Pastor Blake preached on this last week about unforgiveness. There's a big difference between unforgiveness and forgetting. You may have been abused in your life. You may have been publicly embarrassed. Someone may have ministered shame to you in your life and try, to try to control your behavior. Um, it could have been your parents. It could have been another church. But God will never do that. God will never minister more grace to us than we are willing to give to other people. To heal from shame, we need to move to the focus. We need to move the focus from what we're not and to who Christ is. It's to take the focus off of us and put it on Christ. Even though you've been forgiven by Christ of your sins, he does not hold it against you and he remembers no more. You're still living with, consumed by, driven by shame-based thinking in your life. You're still believing that you're believing in something that God has already told you that you are not. We can be forgiven and we can be healed of shame. In closing, sorry, I'm a little short this week, but I think everybody will be okay with that. Um, In closing, I want to bring this up real quick. When God is speaking to us about something in our lives, He is always loving, He is always specific, and He is always helpful. It's always loving. The signature of God is love. The signature of the devil is fear and shame. He loves to use fear and shame to isolate us from other people 
and from God, trying to convince us that no one can love a bad, broken, sinful person. And it's all crap. We have decided, we have to decide what voice we're going to let speak into our lives. Are we going to let the voice of God speak into our lives, or are we going to let the voice of the enemy continue to continue to control us? When God found Adam after he had sinned and asked him what he did, Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who made you that way? Who told you that you were naked? God made Adam and Eve naked. He made them that way. God doesn't make mistakes, people. But once they sinned, the devil told them that they were defective. We can't let the devil define who we are. Anything that we've done, anything that the world or people or the devil has done to us, it is washed off by the blood of Jesus. Nothing you've done is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Nothing you have done is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. You are forgiven. You are blessed. Now go on with your life and do not listen to the voice of shame for one more second. Focus on God and what he has done for you in his love. I want you to move the focus from what who you are and what you did to who Jesus is and what he did. Thanks for tuning in. If what you heard today was inspirational or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.